Well, hi everyone and welcome to another episode of A Little Breathing Space. And as you know, if you're a regular listener, we are talking this series about women and their menopause journeys. And I'm so grateful to the women who've come on this show to share their personal stories so that we can all learn and know that we're not alone in this journey and, and really just stop having so many taboos about different aspects of menopause and realize that it's different for different people and that we can all evolve and think that this is okay. Embrace this change and see it as part of our wider journey. So today I've got a wonderful guest all the way from London, uh, Jill McKay, and she's going to be sharing her story, which I think is one that many of us will resonate with. So welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Very delighted to be here. I'm delighted to have you. And I know you've got a story that is about older parents. Yes. About, yes. And I'd, I'd love you just to share that one. And, and tell me, I mean, tell me a little bit about, you know, how that really evolved with having to become a carer for your parents, which is, I know, is what you were. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think, I, I, certainly I know I'm not alone, but certainly at the time it felt as though I was one of the only ones. I, except my, my sort of peer group locally, I, I'm one of the older mums, if you like. I've got three mm -hmm. children, um, but the people who I'm really friendly with, they tend to be younger than me, uh, uh, and um, their parents are younger. So I felt that locally at the time I really was on my own with this. So my parents were a little bit older. I'm 57 now and I, I'm, I'm hopefully through most of the ghastliness of the menopause. We'll come back to that. <laughs> yes. But uh, so all four parents have gone, my husband and, and my parents have gone. But we had this period of time over the last 15, I would almost go so back as say 20 years where yeah. we really were in this, what I call the sandwich generation. You know, we had the youngsters to deal with and the, all of the joy and the tribulations of that, but also the old folk. It started with my mum who developed Parkinson's disease. Um, fairly easy symptoms in the early days. Um, and, but she lived 200 miles away from me. I was fortunate I had a brother and sister who were on tap for her. Mm. But as, she, as her symptoms grew worse, I was finding myself, as I'm sure many of your listeners do, taking my weekends to be away from my immediate family and traveling up to see my mum. And as, as things got worse and she was coming towards the end, well, we thought she was coming towards the end, you know, her life became really quite challenged. And I, I, I almost went to every weekend and that has an enormous oh. effect on yes. my own life with my own children. Mm. At the same time, my husband's father, they lived in the opposite direction. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, why not? Yeah. He developed some tra challenging symptoms as well. He had some kidney problems. And um, so he was going in the opposite direction. So it just became a scheduling nightmare. Wow. And, and actually, we viewed it as a scheduling nightmare rather than really being in tune with the emotion of it, if that makes sense. Yes. Both of us were, it's really interesting. My husband was going down the motorway to support his mother and handle his father's challenges. And I was doing the opposite. Actually, what I was going up the motorway for to see my mum was to alleviate my brother and sister because they were on tap and doing it all the time. Yeah. As time progressed, um, my mum died. It was a complete extrusive platitude. It was an enormous relief because of yeah. the last yeah. two years of her life were just 
horrible and ghastly mm. and very suddenly my husband's um father died so we had again these 200 miles away people <laughs> for, di for different reasons yeah, hey, for yeah, different reasons, yeah. with different needs um and again the traveling continued you know we mm. we kept on driving up and down the motorway and I wouldn't say at no point did we have no consideration for our children. Of course we did. Yeah. But our children, what it has taught them is an enormous resilience. You know, they, they've had to cope <laughs> yeah. with yeah. mum and dad being absent mm. for, for a, a number of weekends, and a, a huge number of weekends over that period. Just fast forward, um, and then in the last seven years or so, um, my father had a little bit of time without my mum. He was well. He eventually died of old age, but and you know, and I'm grateful for that. He yes. had some fun, if you like. Hmm. But my mother-in-law came to live with us. Um, she was uh, severely disabled, and the options were beginning to be limited. You know, she could. She was not going to be able to cope on her own in Devon, and so Devon's a, a county about 200 miles away from here, yeah. and so our options were to have care for her at home there mm. or care for her in a home or for her to move up to London with us and my husband had made a promise and it wasn't a, fleet, a fleeting promise we both had mm. to his father that we would look after his mum and so in all of this time when I'd lost my mum he'd lost his dad we were trying to make sure my dad had a wonderful remaining of his, <laughs> yeah. of his life yeah. albeit 200 miles yeah. away we had this all this stuff going on as to how to optimally care for his mum and at the same time remember to treat them as human beings and adults yes. you know yes. yeah and that's and, hard and isn't it it's really hard and emotionally engage with what their wishes were and hugely understand that she did not want to be a burden to us but she couldn't cope she couldn't no. walk she was immobile bless wow. her so we, we made a pretty big decision um which totally congruent with and, and honestly Chris, I would do it again I, mm. I, it was the it was not just the right thing to do but she died in the summer and it's not just the right thing to do but but um going back I, it was a, it was an experience that was good for everybody it was it was yeah. an experience we all enjoyed in some way too we actually moved house in London to accommodate wow. her and her needs she sold her house Amazing. and we bought a larger house in london which with full level access for her downstairs with her wheelchair wow. i mean i do laugh that i'm i'm the the only person i know who upsizes in their 50s you know what i mean really <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's pretty dramatic upsize but isn't that something that I think more of us are facing? I mean, although they may not have been in your close friendship group, so many of us are, are brought to this point. Um, Very much so. And I didn't recognize it at the time. And, and, and I, I wish I had actually utilized the strength of social media and other connections to, yeah. to have some support, if you like, even just some emotional support around it. What's very interesting is that my younger peer group friend here locally are all experiencing this now. And the conversation that is so interesting is they observe what we did for Margaret and say, gosh, you know, that was such a big move. It was a big move. And, but it, but it was, the right thing for us as a family and at the same time as this happening is bringing margaret in two of my kids went off to university i've, I've yeah. now just got one in the yeah. six forms and doing her a levels <laughs> yeah so throughout all of this i was empty nesting that's yes. the term isn't it I it think. is the term yes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think it's exciting but it's got its own uh... Uh, it challenges. certainly has it has its own challenges and emotion emotions mm -hmm. associated with yeah. it and trying to 
organise um, Margaret, try and integrate her into a new community, which she didn't want to. She didn't want to make friends, you know, all of that. It was all hugely challenging. Plus, having to manage care agencies and, and her needs. And what's really interesting is my husband and I were very prepared for perhaps her physical needs because that was when we could take action and help. Yes. You know, we yes. could do stuff for her, get mm. carers in, mm. you know, help her with, I could take her to the theatre by wheeling her down the road, you know, we could yeah. do certain things yeah. but we hadn't been prepared really for her emotional needs and oh. how challenging and difficult it was for her of course to leave her diminishing amount of friends in Devon yes. because she was losing yes. and they were dying and coming out to us and um and the backdrop of that was that I basically started to have a, a lot more wine every evening that I was latterly enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I can understand, and I can, because you were in the middle of your menopause when this was all happening as well. So not only are there, you know, the, the emotional side of caring for parents as well as yes. the the practical side we've then got you know your kids are leaving home and that side of our emotions which is and all of those are huge tolls on yourself and then your body decides that it needs more care and attention and you're going really yeah, well exactly so and what is really interesting i mean isn't retrospect a valuable thing in hindsight but when i look back i don't believe i paid enough attention to the fact that perhaps my emotions and and physical challenges were actually under this enormous banner called the menopause. You yeah. know, I wasn't affording myself the almost get out of jail card that, you know, you're also going through this as well, Jill. So yeah. just be a little bit kinder to yourself around yeah. that. Yes. You know, even within, I, I think I started my menopause late 40s. I'm 57 now. Yeah. Even within the last 10 years or so, I really do think there is a, a, a change in the, the voice that menopause has. And what you're yes. doing is wonderful, is, is, <laughs> is um, raising a, vo a voice for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't exaggerate or embellish and say there was any shame or anything in that. I just didn't acknowledge it no. for what it was. And therefore, I didn't seek help I just mm. you know sunk myself into a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc every night and you know and, yeah. and, and medicated to a degree myself yeah. and, and now not realizing that actually that was having a you know negative effect on my menopause as well it wasn't going to help my menopausal no. physiological symptoms let alone my me my mental health no because i mean that and we know that and that's not a judgment yeah. because i think yeah. we are so many of us are like that so many of us are coping with just an awful lot at this time of life and i think our symptoms get kind of you know buried underneath all the business because you were running a business as well Absolutely, yeah, and on top yeah. of all this, I was yes. <laughs> and, and, and running a business and the feast and famine of business as well. You know, when yes. you're on your own, well, I, I actually have a business partner, but when you have a, a small company or you, and you're in the consulting yeah. game, you are also dealing with that, that um, irregularity, if you like, business. Yeah. And when business is at a peak, that's fabulous, but at the same time, it makes you extremely busy. Yeah. And when business is, is traveling down to a potential trough, there's all the, the worry around associated with that and yeah. the effort and time it takes to to generate new business and keep confident with that whole process yes. and I think what I didn't I lost touch with the fact that there was almost a gradual erosion of, of the essence of me that sounds terribly dramatic but but it's so true you know I I was a carer I was a mother I was a um, a business owner I was a wife I was a dog walker you know? <laughs> yeah uh, where's Jill hello <laughs> Yeah, hi. Hello. Oh, by the way, I'm sweating. You know, 
you know, and I think what, what I, I, I knew it intellectually then, but I didn't really sense it in, in yeah. the moment. Is, yeah. you know, I really was not alone. You know, women in their 40s and 50s often are, to coin a phrase, in the sandwich generation. Yeah. And for me, my capability, skills, desire, call it what you will. I, I love to be a mum. I love to be a nurturer and look after people. And all of a sudden, my children grew with the old folk you know so that the volume of yes. my caring opportunity let's 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 keep it yeah positive. yeah yeah let's keep that yeah grew and of course with old folk there's a reluctance for them to be cared for in oh the yes oh yes they you don't know. want that no no Absolutely. i know that and i know i'll experience. be the same yeah you you want to hang on to the independence it, it was a really challenging and um, bias for me as a daughter-in-law with margaret in my house to yes. you know really honor her desire to be free and have the freedom of choice and at the same time you know manage her really growing and challenging physical and emotional needs and then without a shadow of doubt it took its toll and the toll that was taken was sunk into a bottle of beautiful white yeah. liquor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i mean did that and did you notice that that kind of drinking like that was having an effect on you or were you oh. so busy Oh, yes, I did notice. And I think yeah. that, you know, and, and I think with all of these things, or with many of these things, Clarissa, that we, we're all, intellectually, we know what is happening. Exactly. You know, and we, yeah. you know, I could, I'm, I'm able, I mean, I'm a coach and a trainer in, in, in part of my mm. business. You know, I'm able to helicopter out and look in as a third person and think, whoa, Jill, you are going, something's going to happen soon. Mm. You're going to burn out. You're going to explode. Yeah. You're certainly not going to be able to be firing on all cylinders or operating at optimum levels intellectually i knew that and yet i just carried on uh, intellectually i knew that the wine was my medication if you like so numbing numbing me down yeah. um and it was a way of coping and and you know we all understand we 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 we, we get the whole emotional eating the emotional yeah. drinking the emotional some the, the addictions that people have that help them it can be netflix it can be running it can it be, be anything. you know some of them are quite good some of them are, yeah. are less good for our bodies but i think that when i felt rubbish physically mm. i didn't really give much thought to the fact that it could be this fiery menopause bubbling along in the background no, no. you know i thought it was oh jill you had too much wine last night let's just take another couple of ibuprofens and oh the carer's in the kitchen yeah. oh, she's, oh she's got the cooker on i better go down and make sure she's not burning the kitchen oh you know, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i was just caught up in it. and caught up totally. and it's yeah, and we yeah. are caught up in that. And I think that it becomes becomes a habit, doesn't it? It's a way Very I just so. cope and, and you feel a bit better, you fall asleep and, and you think, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of muddle through and eventually this will end. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And the thing is, and you're right, you know, somewhere, whatever language we use, we know intellectually this is not going to go on forever. Okay. You know, but with old people, <laughs> what does that mean? It well, means we know what that means, yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, that there's, there's going to be an Let's end, to, there's certainly going to be an end to the level of care. Yeah. And what, what happened with my mother-in-law is she, she had a stroke in the end in some way. She was more prone to it because of the circulation issues. She wasn't, she yeah. was immobile. Yeah. Um, and in the end she was in hospital and she died in hospital. Mm -hmm. and, in, in many ways, it was, I like to think that she made her own decision to go because I don't actually think she'd have got home given that it was a very big stroke. I think she'd have ended up in nursing care and that was yes. something my husband or she would absolutely not have wanted. But, um, and it's given us, it happened in May, it's given us a lot of pause and it's given me time to think about the last, well, she lived with us for seven years. So That's I guess you could time. say 
it is a long time. That was when the height of that real full-on face-to-face caring was going on. But also probably the height of my menopause as well. When the, yeah. the full-on fiery joy of the yeah. change of life was just in the, my was face. There. Yes, was in your face. Yeah. And, I, and, and as you said, that, then that just becomes pushed under, we don't seek help. Or maybe we, maybe not. I mean, now we're really in debate about how much more yes. help we can get and what we should look for. But it's only been in the last one or two years that this conversation has raised. For a lot of people, they're still running around not quite sure what to yes. ask for. I think it's only something like 16% of women are actually reaching out for really? real help. It's very, very small. And the rest are kind of asking friends, family, the internet yes. or whatever um, yes. to get help. So yes. none of us, myself included, who went through this journey with no help and didn't realize because I was just too busy too. Yes. Actually know where to turn to, know who to ask, know what to yes. ask. It is interesting because actually my, my parents were both doctors and my father was a gynecologist. So he was, you know, he, you know, I've been brought up in a household where conversations about women's stuff, but it's been very open and I have an elder sister, but my mum had a hysterectomy when she was quite young. So I don't know whether it's really true, but you, you, perhaps you can look to your mother as an indicator of maybe, maybe you know, what, yeah. what you may go through, but we didn't have that. Neither my sister nor myself. In fact, my sister and myself, have both experienced very different menopause journeys. Mm. Um, so I don't, indicator or not, I don't know if it would have been helpful. But the reason I'm saying it is that the whole gynecological women's health piece has been on my radar very strongly. <laughs> and yet I still didn't you know, reach out for help no, or no. even, I didn't even really raise it as an issue with my husband. We've got a very close relationship as when everything was going on and I was feeling stressed and overwhelmed. It was rare that menopause would be part of a real conversation mm. or it might get, just get swept, swept under the table as, oh, and on top of all this, I've got the menopause going off. Yeah, you know, and then we kind of brushing, brushing it over and thinking, oh, I've got to get on yeah. because I've got so much that I need to do. Yes, very yeah. much so, very yeah. much so. So, so I, I took a decision and it's coming up three years ago, I actually don't count, but I took a decision for, for health reasons to actually quit the booze and knowing completely, because I just woke up one day and thought, you know what, this is irrespective of how stressed, busy, whatever light label you want to yes. put on it. Yes. This is rubbish. It's doing me no good. I'm bloated around the tummy. I don't really like having to take so much ibuprofen. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I do actually thing, have yeah. to rock up and face clients in the morning. Yeah. I know I'm not off operating it myself. Yeah. So yeah, I did quite a lot of research and, and gave up uh, the booze, which actually extraordinarily wasn't a difficult thing to do. No. It's the sugar that's the, the, the thing you come down from, it really. Is, yeah. But also fully aware that because I was, it was probably a numbing tool, you know, the grief would surface and lots mm. of other stuff would surface, mm. which was very true. But also what surfaced was the, the reality of the, the physical menopause. So, so symptoms I was attributing to just being a bit of an old soak <laughs> were, were, <laughs> <Not. were> actually, <laughs> being masked or being yeah. labeled incorrectly. Mm. So, um, but I think I was coming towards the end of my menopause. It wasn't, it was, I was so used to living with just not overly challenging, but uncomfortable and annoying symptoms. Yes. But I, again, I didn't seek help. I didn't really know what help to seek. What kind of symptoms, if, I, if you want to share, what kind of symptoms no, no, were, typical, absolutely. were typical, so, Jill? 
So for me, it, it was absolutely the flushes um, and and the, the hot and cold in an instant, the, the, the change, and, and but very much so. And I, because I do training, a lot of stand-up work, I'm not a stand-up comedian, but stand -up, <laughs> no, I'm on my feet facilitating. <laughs> I had learned, you know, to just wear layers, you know, yeah. and yeah. never ask. Peel one off, forget. No, <laughs> yeah. no, we don't want yeah. to do that. <laughs> exactly. So, so recently, I actually had a, a joy this Christmas of being able to wear a sweater you know? <laughs> I know that sounds crazy but I know I'm on the other side because yes the yeah. layers are, are less important yeah but I think there was also quite a bit of mind fog so uh, cognitively I felt a bit impaired yes. and it, again I used to put that down to the the overwhelm of the, the home situation they're looking after the parents and the and the kids um and also put it down to the fact that I was being a bit naughty and having a bottle of wine every night um yeah. but actually the brain fog remained after I'd yeah quit. although of course it makes it worse when we've got yes. lots of stress and we're and of we're course. drinking of course so they it but it is still there and it is a symptom that a lot of women do have and it and when we're working it's hard because we don't show up in quite the way we'd like to sometimes it, it, exactly or it becomes you know we can do it because we're, we're at our age we're steeped yeah. in experience yes. we're able to do it but yeah. then it becomes a, not necessarily an inauthentic but we're not inauthentic but it becomes perhaps a bit more energy draining because we're putting on a performance so we show up yes. in that right in yeah. that way we want to yeah and and i think that's the last point in terms of symptoms um is sleep i'm yeah. still chasing sleep mm. i think and i may be wrong here but I, I i think i have um got so used to living uh, with a state of low level exhaustion that mm. now i'm i'm finding it challenging to sleep properly if that makes sense and on top of this yeah. sorry and that's yeah. very common you know yeah. sleep is this horrid thing yeah yeah it's it's really nirvana for me Guess mm. who's still at home? She's seventeen, and she, a uh, couple of years ago, um, so thank the Lord, I wasn't drinking during this time. <laughs> um, she's she's been diagnosed with, and I'm uh, not keen on the word diagnosis, but it, 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 we needed it with OCD, and which plays out in, in interesting ways for her. And I'm so glad that we're she's at home still, and it didn't come out when she was she'd gone away to uni. If that's her choice. Yeah. Um, she doesn't sleep, so it's oh, part of manifesting. It's a nighttime yeah. routine that's a problem yes. for her. Yeah. So I become hugely interested, generally, in the area of sleep yeah. and and you know experimenting with lots of of different sort of apps and oils and and sleep hygiene, if if you like. But yes. without a shadow of doubt, just looping back to the menopause, sleep was a. I felt robbed of sleep. Yeah. Um. And and but as I say, I've learned to live with this low level exhaustion and that's something i'd really proactively like to move on from yes and i think what's interesting there and talk about sleep is obviously this new book has come out in the states from ada colhoun where she's talking about gen x women and, and sleep just last week the book came out and right. surfaced you know and really there again it got reiterated that it's perimenopausal and postmenopausal yeah. women who sleep the worst we get yeah. less than seven hours um yeah. of the recommended seven hours there we're most of the between five and six if we're lucky yeah. uh, and that you know i think her, her analysis is really interesting saying yes it's our hormones but it's also all the other things we've got going on that was so different from previous generations and exactly what you said you're caring we're empty nestering juggling yeah. our businesses more and more of us working for ourselves or in the gig economy you know yeah. a lot of financial issues at this time which are all then piling 
on top of our hormones deciding uh, to go awry. Absolutely, you know, and almost listening to that last two minutes that you've just said, it's like, oh my God, you're right. And I identify, resonate with, with absolutely everything, everything you've said. And, and it's also, there's an awful lot around at the moment where people are talking about self-care and self-compassion. And it's, I've learned that I need to put myself first in many ways. And then there's a little bit of me that thinks, what a shame that we have to hi highlight this area of self-care well shouldn't we be doing this automatically shouldn't we be putting ourselves you know first but we don't yeah, we, we don't. really don't and um so the sleep is, 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 a, is still a little bit elusive for me but um something that i i'm working on um I, there's another book i really like i'll 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 explore the book you've just described by Matthew Walker, who's a neuroscientist called yeah. Why We Sleep. Yes. And they talk about this whole low-level exhaustion piece, mm -hmm. and not specifically around menopause, but you know, do, do um, mention and acknowledge the fact that women are genuine sufferers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, uh, yes, in and that we've been, we arrive in menopause actually exhausted because we've been yes. up in the nights with our children. Absolutely and, right. And we're busy and we're really busy. And then sleep then comes, you know, not so easily for us. Um, our brains Absolutely. are trained, are trained to wake yes. up in the night. We're more sensitive to sound. Yes. Um, yes. You know, and you can throw in there a snoring partner and a few other things and then away we go. And we're, so by the time we're mid, four, mid to late 40s, we generally have pretty poor sleep, which just doesn't get better. Exactly. And it was very interesting when Margaret, my mother-in-law moved in with us after we got the house to the, we rented her a local flat and then she moved in. Um, I, even though she couldn't get out of bed and she was not in any danger, I found myself listening out for her as well. Yeah. So it was almost as though but that was me. There was no request or desire. There was almost a subconscious. I have somebody in my house, you know, like a baby who's needy. Yeah. So my sleep, I, I really noticed again, behind the middle of menopause, I really <laughs> noticed that, that, um, that turned again. It was very interesting. Yes. yes. And that, that's innate. Jill, one final question that I'd really love to ask you is you mentioned earlier that you have not been drinking for three years and I yeah. know you didn't take a traditional kind of AA approach. So I'd love you to share with my listeners how you actually went about that. Yeah, it was interesting. What I did do was I did quite a bit of research. I mean, quite a speedy research. I mean, I think the Amazon man got very friendly with me over a period of two days. <laughs> lots, of, lots of books and um, lots of online sort of um, help. There's a wonderful website called Soberistas um, that was really hugely helpful. And I've also got a friend um, through, a, through a family member who went the AA route. And I kind of qualified out of that. There's no judgment in that. But for me, I wanted something that I have just landed better with me and I wanted to make a single decision. So I, I did some, a lot of reading and there were a couple of books that were really helpful, The Naked Mind, the Soberistas website, and then Jason Vale, who's the juice guy, has written one, How to Quit ah. Drink. And it really was all about just being absolutely congruent with my why and knowing why I wanted to give up. And it was all about health, living a long life and being a great mum. And that self-care piece that I, I, um, I said. Um, and I also became accountable. I went to told my GP. <laughs> so That's there was good. some accountability in that too. Yeah. Um, and obviously told my husband and he was wonderful. He was really supportive and didn't Aww. drink um, four months until we got on holiday. And that was, that was fine. Yeah, that's I'm fantastic. That did it. That's fantastic. I mean, that's just such a great sort of message, and yeah, and, and I think role model for the fact that we can do this. 
and a lot of it is that you had some really clear purpose behind it yeah absolutely and I, I can't you know I don't have a rock bottom story you know because no. all of the, the menopause the mother-in-law the my parents stuff my children the emptiness the work the business it, it was all going on but that's what we we all have in common I just had a realization one day that I want I had a choice and I wanted to yeah. do something about it so uh, and now I know I am very proud of myself and I'm also very glad it's happened because it's proved to me that we can triumph if you like over challenges so um, it was all it was a very positive experience if, if I can put it that way yeah that's wonderful Jill I'd love to just thank you for coming on the show and for sharing your story and so much of it I'm sure my listeners can relate to I can relate to it personally and so openly and honestly you know to talk about things that we sometimes don't talk about how much we're juggling difficult things like parents and parents-in-law, children in the midst of it, and then that we do sometimes take comfort from a glass of wine or two or three, mm -hmm. and, and that we can make a choice to do something different. So thank, thank you, Thank you. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I'm glad to have shared it. Yeah. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.